The Building Better Business podcast is the best place to learn how to take your business to the next level. It's no longer enough to earn good profits. You need to develop a network of connections as well as use all types of marketing to your advantage that will put you over the edge. Hosted by me, Steve Eschbach, a financial executive with decades of experience in dealing with businesses and business people, we'll learn how this all comes together. Join me and my expert guests as we delve into the many facets of owning the business and how to become a good, caring business owner. Listen how making a difference in your community can attract all sorts of clientele, which in turn will build you a better business. Greetings of the day, everyone. My name is Steve Eschbach. I am the owner of Transworld Business Advisors here in Naperville, Illinois, and I'm very delighted to have a good friend and business colleague, Abby Kohut, here with me today. She is a, uh, an experienced HR executive, and she has done a number of things over her career. She's been a guest speaker of mine many times here in Chicagoland to help job seekers get their next career stops, which at sometimes could be an entrepreneurial endeavor. But in any event, Abby, why don't you tell us a little bit more about you, what you're currently doing, what you've done in the recent past, and where you're going, and then we'll get into the other questions and answers. Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me, Steve. I've been a recruiting professional for about 25 years, and of late, I've been a contract recruiter. What that means is that I work with companies on a contract basis, and I help them find the best talent for them. And I've been doing that, but I also am hosting a web show called Persistentpreneurs, where I'm interviewing entrepreneurs that have been persistent over the years. And that's probably because I've been persistent over the years. People that are persistent fascinate me, people that have overcome obstacles. So I'm doing that. And I'm also involved with, oh my goodness, so many things. I'm also doing job coaching for people. And anytime I can think of something to do to better the world, I get involved in it. So I've been a speaker, I've been an author, a coach, a consultant, all kinds of different entrepreneurial things. And by uh, way of full disclosure, Abby has also a publishing company. I don't know if it's still up and running, but uh, it was absolutely Abby Press that was involved in the publishing of my first book, Link, Learn, Leverage, Why Networking is Your Greatest Asset. Great team of people to work with. So what I'd like to do now, Abby, if you don't mind, let's go back way, way along the videotape path. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. And tell me a little bit about your upbringing. What did your mom do? What did your dad do? And what were your favorite activities growing up, up to uh, college and beyond that? Sure. So mom had every job under the sun. So she was a bank teller. She was a kindergarten teacher. She was a receptionist, a file clerk, many different things. But the one job that she did have was she was an entrepreneur later in her life. And she baked these uh, these cookies called Ruggala, and she created a business called Diane's Delights, and she managed to sell it to an airline at some point. Wow. And, yeah, but she decided to give up eventually because she would have had to open her own kitchen, and she wasn't ready to do that, and so she actually gave up the business. But I believe it's because of her that I had my entrepreneurial spirit ingrained in me, ingrained in me. And my dad was a production manager for a handbag factory, and he taught me the value of working hard. So between these two people, I believe that's what has made me successful. 
Sounds like great influence. Uh, it's good yeah. input there. And what so I enjoyed do you, doing when I was a child, you asked me that too. I happened to, so for example, I had a haunted house for people on Halloween. I had a carnival in my driveway, things like that. Oh my so God. I was doing this at an early age, being creative. Uh -huh. How about the proverbial lemonade stand on the uh, end of your block? I don't remember doing a lemonade stand, but it's very possible I did. My mom and dad are both gone, unfortunately, so I can't ask them. Um, so nobody knows this, but I just remember this stuff. Cool. Well, sounds like a great influence. So how do you go from Abby, the, uh, the child entrepreneur, to getting into human resources? So tell me a little bit about that what college you went to, how that was influencing your HR career. Sure. So I went to the University of Rochester. I graduated with a psychology degree and a personnel certificate, which is like an HR certificate. But when I got out of college, I went into computer sales, not on purpose. It was kind of an accident. And I did computer sales for seven years. And then what happened was the VP of sales was trying to hire a sales rep and that's how I got into HR. So recruiting began then and it's never stopped. So you have a, a few years of experience under your belt. How would you say things have changed over the last 10 years? In human resources, you mean? Anything, human resources, any job development, job search, career development, entrepreneurship. Yeah. So at the beginning of my recruiting career, everything was on paper. So I would sit on the bus going to work and I would be looking at resumes in my lap. And I remember people saying to me on the bus, what are you looking at? A few people had said that, and I would tell them I'm looking at resumes because I would just be going through them so quickly. People were entertained by that, I guess. Huh. <laughs> so that was the beginning of recruiting, but then everything went online, and it's all been online since, and it's such a different way of doing things. Because you used to just be able to use your eyes now you have to use your computer to figure out which candidates are the best. So let's explore that a little further. I've got to say that even though things have moved from the paper submission to the electronic submission, I still have to believe that networking is still an important part, even 10 years ago, as well as it is today. From the networking standpoint, is there anything that you've seen change? I mean, is it still face-to-face? Is it more phone calls? Is it more video like we're doing here right now? What do you think about that? Yeah, well, so first it was face-to-face -face and there was no choice, but then we had LinkedIn and LinkedIn made it more electronic, but still people have been going to networking meetings. So it's a combination, I think, is what you need. You definitely need LinkedIn but you definitely need face-to-face -face networking and you can do that on video. That's very new since COVID-19. And that video networking is so powerful, so much more powerful than LinkedIn and face-to-face -face networking ever was because you don't have to leave your house and you can network with people out of state. And that's the really cool thing. So in prep for my next question, I want to ask you, and I don't know if you'll know the answer, but round to the nearest, let's say, thousand. Round to mm -hmm. the nearest thousand. Sounds crazy. But how many resumes would you say that you have looked at in your human resources career? I'm going to say a million because I really have no idea. Yes. But it's a lot. Every job that I recruit for, I look at probably 
anywhere from, let me think about that, probably 100 to 500 for every job, I would say. So the reason why I asked that question is that that sets the stage for what I believe is a fact that you're an expert in your field. So what would you say are some of the biggest mistakes that you see that job seekers make, whether it be in the resume, whether it be in the cover letter, or whether it be in the initial phone screen? Because you're pretty much involved no matter what the assignment is, whether you're an in-house recruiter, whether you're an outside recruiter, whether you're a recruiting consultant. I've got to believe that the resume review, the cover letter review, and perhaps prep for being involved in the initial phone screen what do you say are the glaring mistakes that job seekers make that they really need to pay attention to? So on the resume, everybody has typos and that's frustrating because there's spell check. People have typos and people also have formatting errors. And when you are looking for a job that requires you to be detail oriented. So for example, I am recruiting right now for a receptionist for a dentist. It's a friend of mine. And we're getting resumes and the formatting is horrific. And the problem is that I can tell that they're not detail oriented. Whether you tell me you're detail oriented or not, if you can't line up your bullets in a straight line, I know you're not detail oriented. So formatting and typos are all kinds of trouble on resumes. And also people not putting enough keywords on their resume. Sometimes people will shorten their resume because they think it needs to be one or two pages and they'll cut out certain jobs that have wonderful keywords on them and that makes them not visible in my applicant tracking system. That's the resume. The second thing is people don't send cover letters and therefore they look like everybody else. So how am I supposed to decide to call you versus someone else without seeing your cover letter? And when you send a cover letter, typically people again, have typos and grammatical issues. So you need to definitely proofread those. And as far as phone screens go, it's really important that you, share, that you share your passion for this job. So I ask people all the time, why are you interested in this position? And nobody has a really good answer for that. It really should be something passionate, something from your heart. And if it is, you're the person I wanna hire because I know that you would love the job and I know that you'll stay and you'll probably get promoted out of it because you love it so much. That's the kind of person I want. So I crack a smile, Abby, as you respond to that question because in business brokering, the same type of things that you are mentioning is what I look for both on the buy side and the sell side. So for example, if I have a buyer interested in a particular business, believe it or not, the sellers are going to ask me to ask them, the buyers, what do you like about this business? Why do you want to own a business like this? Those businesses where there's a lot of um, relationship building, like for example, I have a geriatric care business where the woman's run it for 25 years, cares an awful lot about her clients. Now mm -hmm. she wants to retire, but she does want to make sure that her clients are going to be put in the right hands. So there's an element of that going forward too. And if you can't express a passion for wanting to buy the business and take it from where it is down to the next level, Sometimes it doesn't go anywhere. So I get what you're saying. Anything so it's about... The same, it's just, I was about to say, it's the same thing about buying a house. Yeah. Right? When you have three people trying to buy your house, you want to give it to the person who wants it the most. Absolutely. 
And then did you mention anything about the phone screen? Now, some of them are probably going to Zoom screens, okay? So I call them screens. How do you mm -hmm. pronounce screens with the letter Z to start? Everything in my vocabulary now has a Z. So we're having a Z-ding. I go to a conference. My calendar is zooked with meetings, which means booked with Zoom meetings. But is there anything that's changing now with the phone screen? Because that usually is the first step in the process. Now, believe it or not, it's the first step in a listing interview with a seller. It's the first step in the buyer process. So there is a phone and or video conference. What are some of the tips you might give candidates to pay attention to or to make sure that they implement when they have those? Well, again, the thing about the passion, you definitely want to share your passion and really understand your really understand your the job and the company. You really want to do the research there. And that's really important. And also if you're on a phone screen, so usually what happens is there is a even though you're doing a Zoom interview or a live interview, there's always going to be a phone screen. So on the phone screen, if you walk around instead of sit you will have more energy flowing through your body. And if you smile on the phone, people can actually hear you smiling. So those are two tips for phone screens. So something I didn't hear you say, but I'm sure you want to say it. So we talk about keywords. We talk mm -hmm. about passion. So, and I do some job search networking just as much as you do. And I try to encourage candidates to qualify their accomplishments in relative terms. Another way of saying that is the big wow. What sets you apart from the competition? So accomplishments. Talk a little bit about accomplishments. We talked about keywords, which is fine because you want to make sure that your keywords get noticed by the hiring either firm or manager because you want to make it to the next level. Talk a little bit about right. accomplishments and how you set those apart. So one of the accomplishments that I have is I hired 900 teachers in four months. That is something that I can rattle off in any interview, any phone screen, anywhere. I can say I've memorized it. It's 900 teachers in four months. I have other accomplishments that I've had. I can probably rattle those off as well. And what you want to do is you want to have accomplishments that you can talk about when someone says, well, how did you do it? Why did you do it? When did you do it? How, what, how, why, where, when, how, that whole thing. You want to have those types of accomplishments and you want to be able to talk about how those worked and, and the details of them. But most importantly, you want to have the tagline, right? You want to have the one-liner. I hired 900 teachers in four months. Who's not going to want to know more about that? Exactly. Now, I didn't save any company a million dollars. Well, actually, I did. But let's say other people save companies millions of dollars. CFOs save companies millions of dollars, whatever. You just want to have those numbers and you want to have those accomplishments on your resume, but you want to definitely have them in your head. So I firmly agree with you, Abby, that these accomplishments, they've got to roll off your tongue without any hesitancy whatsoever. Right. Because, and then that kind of goes along with the passion about what you do, because you do it so well that you accomplish this. So I think it goes part and parcel to that. So let's say, um, let's say you had an opportunity to give Abby some advice 10 years ago. What would you give Abby 10 years ago? Is there anything you would have told yourself oh. in the earlier career? Yeah. <laughs> Before you drive around the country in an RV trying to help a million job seekers, have some side income. Because <laughs> I did that without having any income. Yeah. And it set me back a bit financially. 
So but this wouldn't change it. I mean, because I did it, it was grassroots marketing and it was a wonderful endeavor, but it did set me back financially. So let me take that to another level, okay? And I'm gonna do this in relation to business owners, business buyers, job seekers, those currently have a job. If I can kind of stretch that a little bit to indicate or maybe suggest that a plan, a formal plan is always necessary regardless of what you do. So what you're telling me about having some money or having side income first, that probably would have been part of a plan. So in all aspects, I think what I'm hearing you say is that do less on a shoot from the hip, but do more from a well thought out plan. Is that kind of what I'm hearing you say? Yeah. Plan more, execute. I would say that would be good for most people. Now I'm not really a big planner. I'm more of a shoot from the hip kind of gal, but this would have been a better time to do that. I, again, I wouldn't change a thing. The, the fact that I did this has gained me a lot of notoriety around the country has helped me get into articles on TV, radio, whatever. I mean, and it's helped me build, build my mailing list, which I'm using today for other reasons. So, you know, it's certainly nothing I would have changed, but I would have just adjusted it a bit. So now, um, Abby, you're here today. So now you're entering, you're probably going to do some more HR recruiting, but you're doing your video podcast series now, interviewing what I would consider entrepreneurs. And yes. I think you're focusing on successful entrepreneurs because I think you want to mm-hmm. set a track record for those that have been there, done that, and how you can right. do that. So is that going to be a concurrent thing, whether you do HR recruiting and this other thing on the side, or are you going to jump into the entrepreneurial ring totally and completely? No, no, I'm doing my, for me, being an entrepreneur is being able to pivot. And that is totally what I've done over the years is I've always been resilient and I've always been resourceful and I've always pivoted when I've needed to. And now I've had to pivot the most that I've ever had to pivot. And because I'm, I'm not doing as much recruiting right this minute, but I will be doing it again. And in the meantime, I'm doing some sales of uh, PPE, personal protective equipment. And so I'm going back to my sales roots from the 80s. And it's been joyous. It's been wonderful to get into something else, but it's a pivot. And I'm teaching all of the people that I speak to about how pivoting is so necessary you have to be willing to just say, you know, this is done. Let's start something else. And right now recruiting is done, but I know it's going to come back. It's just not going to be here till a couple more months. So in the meantime, I have to fill my wallet a little bit. And so I have to pivot. And that's what a good entrepreneur does. So as we uh, record this uh, session today, uh, the jobs report this week showed millions added to the job force after millions. I saw that. Yeah, I so saw that. I guess, yeah, the point being is that, you know, there's going to be a need for recruiting no matter what. Oh, yeah. So yeah, it may take a different sure. yeah. There will always so we, be a need for recruiting. It's a great right. career. Yeah. So my last question before I give you an opportunity to kind of touch base with stuff we haven't covered. Um, so we talked about what advice you would have given you 10 years ago. What's the best advice you've gotten that have set you to where you are today? Well, my mother was the best. My mother was my biggest cheerleader. And she definitely told me, if you set your mind thing, you can accomplish it. And I've lived that my whole life. She definitely taught me that. So that is probably the best advice. But my sales manager back in the 80s, 90s, told me that if there's one thing you can do for people, it's be reliable. So if you say you're going to do something, do it. And if you can't do it, just let them know that you can't do it. And I've lived that my whole life as well. 
So that was really one, good. Yeah, that's one of my mantras. Communication is key. So that's very, very good. Yeah. So before we go, I'm cognizant of the time commitment you have for me. Uh, is there anything we didn't cover that you wanted to let the world know here? Yeah, it's just, I would say, don't be afraid, no matter what age you are, to change careers. So Grandma Moses picked up a paintbrush for the first time when she was 77, and she became a well-known painter, and we all talk about her. So don't be afraid to start something new at any age, because you can still be successful at it if you put your heart and soul into it. So to that point, I'll add that Colonel Sanders of Kentucky Fried Chicken, he didn't get his start until he was in his 60s, so to your point. Wow, I didn't know about that one. Yeah. So that's about all I have for here uh, with you, Abby. First of all, thank you very much for your time. But before we go, I want you to have an opportunity to let people know where it is they can find more about you. So if you want to give us your contact information, fine. If you want to give us a website, fine. Sure. But before we go, sure. just let the world know how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you. Absolutely. Well, you can definitely go to my website, which is absolutelyabby.com. And you can certainly send me an email at a cohut at absolutelyabby.com, which you'll find on my website as well. Thank you so much, Abby. I appreciate your time and uh, have a good rest of the day. Thank you for having me. The Building Better Business podcast is the best place to learn how to take your business to the next level. It's no longer enough to earn good profits. You need to develop a network of connections as well as use all types of marketing to your advantage that will put you over the edge. Hosted by me, Steve Eschbach, a financial executive with decades of experience in dealing with businesses and business people, we'll learn how this all comes together. Join me and my expert guests as we delve into the many facets of owning the business and how to become a good, caring business owner. Listen how making a difference in your community can attract all sorts of clientele which in turn will build you a better business.